everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We are really excited today. We have a very special interview with one of our favorite writers. We love talking with the writers. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and we're here to talk to uh, screenwriter Topher, Topher Payne. And uh, Topher, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It is so great to be back. Thanks. Yeah, and we also have a, a co-host Cammies here. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Yay. Yes. Uh, so, Topher, tell us, did you have a good holiday season? I had a wonderful countdown to Christmas um, and got that, that, to... That's not, went, that's not what she asked, Topher. She <laughs> <laughs> I got to go home to Mississippi. My sister, her boys are now 11 and 13, and... Since they were babies, my sister has always claimed Christmas at her house because, you know, the boys are so young and that's where Santa knows to stop and all of that. My mother put her foot down this year and demanded we are all coming back to the homestead. And it was awesome because when I go to my sister's house, I'm somebody's uncle. But when I go to my mama's house, I'm somebody's baby. And that's way more fun. Yeah, it's true. It's the only time that I ever get, even though my, my parents now live pretty close to me, but the only time I ever get like really homesick for, for my, uh, for my mom is when I'm sick. And then I'm like, Oh, I just want my mom to take care of me. (laughs) Because you're not going to feel one bit better until somebody pats you on the head and tells you how pitiful you are. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. No. It's the only way to look at it. No, that is medical facts. I will stand <laughs> by that. There was one time they lived in California for uh for forever and uh there was one time I was so sick. I I just I kept coughing and coughing and coughing so much my whole body hurt, you know, every cough. And it was just I was miserable and I finally I got on the phone and my mom and I was just like mom and I was just crying and and just miserable and and she came she she actually came and rescued me and and took care of me I was like my one super needy moment as a child an adult child uh I was so sick uh I uh, so I'm just I'm praying this year I got my flu shot I I'm just oh, please don't get sick. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying extra hard, drinking that orange juice. You know, I don't know. So emergency, baby. I live by it. <laughs> exactly. Every time I get on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what we thought we would do is first talk about your summer movie, Roman Love. I, I, re- I rewatched it yesterday because I think that it, it's, it's a unique story. Like it, it's, you know, cause so many people always say, Oh, all the Hallmark movies are the same. Well, this is one that's different. I've never seen one. Where, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've never seen one where somebody is uh, hired to, play the role of classic re- remake of a classic film in a in a european location i mean <laughs> anything like that like it's different i appreciate that that was something See, that i know, really liked about it too is it was not your cookie cutter plot line it was it was a step off of the iceberg i guess you could say mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and so how did you and come up I with the whole idea together yeah, when I was putting it together, um, you know, it's based on a novel by Anita Hughes. And as with any um, book to screen adaptation, um, there's no way you're going to be able to grab everything that everybody loved about the book mm-hmm. um, just in time in terms of the amount of time you have to tell the story. And um, and so the first thing I do with any of these um, literary adaptations, the same was true for A Gift to Remember, you start with reading the book and what is your takeaway and kind of what is the um, emotional experience that the author is offering up 
um, and what they were trying to convey to the reader. And if you can connect with the priorities of the original storyteller, then it gives you this really great diving board um, to be able to get into the deep and figure things out from there. Um, and the thing that really struck me with the book of Roman Love um, was there was a quieter, more subdued approach to the storytelling um, that I found really endearing. Um, and, um, and so I loved the pace of the book. And that was one of the things that I really tried to approach in doing the adaptation for the screen. Um, is getting that um, that sense of we are on Italian time now, um, <laughs> and um, and things are um, a little more languid, and um, and there's more of a a relaxed atmosphere, um, mm. and then. The piece of it that I was bringing myself is my background before I started writing movies was as a playwright. And I started, as most people do in professional theater, with doing avocational and community theater. Mm -hmm. And with my lead in that story, I loved the idea of um, this young woman who is an undiscovered talent, but not an inexperienced one. Um, she has confidence in her abilities. She knows how to play a character. She knows how to tell a story. She's being given the opportunity to do so with a much larger audience now. Um, but this was not a crisis of confidence for her. Um, this is just um, the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved that about Amelia. I loved that um, at the core of it, she knew that she was qualified to do this job, even as kind of insane and fairy tale as the opportunity was, she knew she was deserving of it. And I loved having um, a story with a lead character who has that approach. Um, and it felt like a love letter to a lot of the actresses I have known in avocational and regional theater um, who would be ready for that opportunity if that opportunity ever knocked. Frankly, you bugged, my, you you bugged my house, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think you did definitely capture that feeling because like scenes like when they go to dinner at the, uh, they meet those people and then they end up going to dinner at their house uh, and you've mm -hmm. got this sort of you know, leisurely Italian dinner uh, that I, I, I think you captured that, that feeling. Uh, but uh, my favorite part of the movie was between the two sisters, the dynamic between the two sisters. Uh, I thought that Thank was really nice. Thank you. That is what, that is one of my favorite aspects of that story. Mm -hmm. Um, the the idea of um, that she did have, you know, her own dreams and aspirations, and then the responsibility of family presented itself, and she had to step up in that moment, and making it clear that doing so is not a sacrifice. Um, um, I know it, it, but it, but like it is a sacrifice, but that doesn't necessarily mean that like that she's wrong bitter course. about it yeah, or, or that it's regrettable, you know, <laughs> um, uh, this feels like a weird tangent, but I swear it relates. Um, my uh, beloved beagle, Daisy, who's 10 years old, um, uh, had to have a leg amputated this year um and she's the most amazing wonder dog in the world and her adjustment to being a tripod has um been um immediate and delightful and the vet said um it's so much harder on the pet parent than on the pet itself because dogs um don't have any sense of lost opportunity. They're not 
saying like, oh, I had so many plans and now this changes it. <laughs> um, they deal with the immediate circumstances and start making the adjustment. And so she was up on her feet and walking the day after the surgery. And I'm marveling at it, you know, and I'm sitting on the couch sobbing. And meanwhile, the dog's just being a dog. Right. Um, and and the, the little life lesson within that of... Just if you face the immediate circumstances in front of you um, and figure out how to manage what the immediate need is, life will take care of the rest, yeah. you know? And, um, and in the relationship between the sisters in Roman love, people who make that sacrifice, even when it is not in any way a regrettable choice, um, when they make a sacrifice for family and understand that this particular aspiration, the timing is off because my focus has to be on either my family of origin or my family of choice. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what priority needs to be. We don't celebrate those people um, to the extent that they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, and because those are the people that keep the world going, you know? Yeah. Well, I can really connect with it. Cause like I said, <clears throat> I have siblings that are way younger than me. Um, my youngest sister it was born when I was in college, uh, <laughs> when I was 18. And, uh, and so I definitely, it was something that I, obviously my parents, my parents didn't die or anything. Thank goodness. But I definitely did a lot of, like co-parenting and a lot of, you know, my own ways, a lot of sacrifice um, to uh, with them and spending a lot of time with them. And, uh, and so anyway, I could connect with it. And it's certainly something I thought about many times, like what would happen if I had to step in and, <clears throat> yeah, you know, with having three, three younger siblings that were a lot younger than me. Uh, was something that I would think about every now and then. <laughs> Sometimes it was in nightmares, but but uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it would it would be completely overwhelming. But um, but you know that that's what you do for family. You do for family. And uh, the interesting thing is, you know, we're talking. You know, this is the conversation that is inspired by a Hallmark summer romance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and so for those who may have already decided um, what stories are being offered up there without actually investigating it, um, the writers I know working for the network, and certainly whenever I'm given the opportunity to tell the story to the audience, um, you have, of course, the central, you know, uh, romantic storyline. And then within that, there are so many opportunities to communicate things that are important to you. That, Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially and, the, the top notch writers like yourself and Nina and Julie and people like that. It's really, it's, it, there's, there are way more to them than just these fluffy movies, which are fun as well. But, uh, but yeah, oh there are gosh. layers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, but it's, um, you know, I don't, um, I bristle at the label of escapism mm -hmm. um, because that's kind of antithetical to what I'm trying to do with the audience. I don't want them to lean back. I want them to lean forward. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a really good analogy. To... Thank you. <laughs> yes, I like that um, very much. <laughs> and and so, you know, I the the contract I sign with an audience when they sit down to watch something I've written for Hallmark is I promise at the end of this movie everything will be okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and so I will give you that. I promise by the end of the movie, everything's going to be fine. Um, and then let that put them in a comfortable place to be able to receive the story. I don't want to stress anybody out while they're wrapping their Christmas presents, but, um, 
but there's so many opportunities to celebrate individual lives and individual voices um, and circumstances that I know the audience will find relatable. And Mm -hmm. of course, we all know after a really exciting December in the world of Hallmark, we are continuing to look for ways to celebrate the lives of others and, um, and people who may otherwise fly under the radar um, and not have the chance to see their stories celebrated on television in family-appropriate entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and I think there's value in the the experience of escapism, like as much as, Mm -hmm. like, in just being able to kind of relax and, um... And I don't know, I just feel like there's so little that that really caters to particularly to women and what mm-hmm. kind of what kind of stories connect with women in uh that are I don't know that are sort of I can't think of a better word for escapism. What should I use? If I, um, I mean, is it is it release yeah you know is it, it is um, and i mean it's the same kind of thing i think that that like young men get from like superhero movies or whatever you know it's like this mm-hmm. there's sort of this escapism about it it's obviously nah, that i think are, that's more of a surge <laughs> <laughs> there are the the other good parts about it and i like those movies but i don't know i just feel like there's so little that's just made to kind of um excite women and just have them have a fun time if that makes sense you know i've had the chance now to um make three movies with the same producer angela Mm -hmm. mancuso she did both of the gift remember movies and roman love and one of the things that we talk about a lot um because she has a preteen daughter um, and a shared value, and I think one of the reasons she and I get along so well as collaborators is we will not write a woman that we would not want her daughter to aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. I like and that. that, and that does not mean that the heroine of our film is going to make the right choice at every turn. Um, you know, that's that's drama. That's the, well, know, that's the reason you're telling a story. Right. Um, but in terms of how are we presenting her, and most importantly, is she a woman that things happen to or a woman that makes things happen? Well, and this is interesting because you talk in the movie about the downer ending of Roman Holiday, and I was curious... <laughs> <laughs> I was curious, how do you feel about that ending? Do you feel like it's a downer ending or do you feel like it makes the movie? Oh, not at all. I completely disagree with Philip in Roman Love on his assessment of Roman <laughs> Holiday. <laughs> and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good. And, and you want to talk about breakthroughs that, um, that writers aspire to. I would love to be the first Hallmark writer to write the romance where they don't end up together in the end. Um, <gasps> and, um, <laughs> I know. One day it's gotta happen, guys. <laughs> like, um, but, 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 but. <laughs> but just like in Roman Holiday, sometimes as Amelia says in her assessment of Roman Holiday, which I think is much more in alignment with my own, um, when Amelia's in the press conference and says, Roman Holiday is the story of two people who meet under extraordinary circumstances and are in each other's lives for a short short but significant moment. And those stories have value as well. Um, Now, of course, you know, Twitter would hang me out to dry for it, but <laughs> I, <laughs> we, we'd be behind you. Would, we'll support you. But it would certainly shake up expectations of yeah. the audience because then going forward, the next time you watch a Hallmark movie, you don't know how this thing's going to turn out. Right. Everybody's going to be fine, but what does fine look like? You know? 
Yeah, there would be such a demand for a sequel. Could you even imagine? <laughs> you need to fix this. Do a sequel. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the reason that Louisa May Alcott had to write a sequel to Little Women. Right. <laughs> because yeah. she didn't have Joe married off in the first one. <laughs> and oh my goodness. and I think, you know, but I think um, I'm, it's such an exciting time to be writing for Hallmark because I think, and Roman Love um, is a good example of finding ways to expand the reach of the storytelling and the types of stories being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I, I follow the hashtags just like everybody else. I know that there are diehard um, Hallmarkies that saw Roman Love and that particular film wasn't their cup of tea. Uh-huh. Well, that's fine. Right. Um, because I know other people that may not um, ordinarily sign up for the Hallmark recipe um, who found this variation of flavor refreshing. Um, yeah. And I love that we're making room for those possibilities. Well, yeah. I mean, they make, what, a hundred and something movies? Uh, you're not going to like all of them. That now. You're not going to yeah. like all of them. Surprise, surprise. Oh, good Lord, if you did, <laughs> then you're not very discerning, you know? And... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, I, but I really enjoyed it. So I'm on team Roman Love. <laughs> I really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you very much. Yes. And, and the locations were just extraordinary. Yeah. Okay, can we talk about was- that? That's what I want to talk about. Is I want to talk about those locations. <laughs> My mother went to Italy on vacation um, this this past summer. And so when she saw that Roman love was coming up, she got all excited and she, and she said, Cammy, can we watch this together? Can we? Like, yes, mom, we can watch this movie together. And then while we're watching, I had to keep pausing it because she said, I went there. Oh, I saw that. Oh, I saw that. She got, she got so excited about, about seeing all of these places in a Hallmark movie because we love Hallmark here at, at in our home and in our family. Well, I should say my mom and I do and my daughters do. <laughs> yeah, my husband and my brothers. Yeah, we're, we're go- just going to leave them out of that. Um, but anyway. That's fine. My my husband has only seen five Hallmark movies and all of them are mine. Yeah, <laughs> they're all yours. Yeah. <laughs> but I frankly, I thought I did a better job of showcasing Rome than the Christmas in Rome. I agree. Which I have not had a chance to see. Um, yeah. I can tell fine. you from a from a production standpoint, um, we had an Italian production team on oh, that, nice. and so we had an Italian location scout. We had an account, uh, a, you know, an Italian location manager, and so you know, if you're shooting local, then having people that already have those established relationships Mm -hmm. um, can go a long way in being able to get that amazing crane shot of her at the fountain, you know? Um, And um, because the logistics of filming um, in an ancient city can be rather tricky. And, um, and, and they found so many creative solutions. You know, shooting at the Coliseum um, is a logistic nightmare. And then someone on the production team said, there is this one hillside where you can get an amazing view of it. <laughs> and that's what we ended up doing in the nice. movie. That's nice. amazing. Oh. Yeah, cr- uh, Christmas in Rome was lovely, but it definitely what did not have the scenic shots that, that love mm. that Roman love did. Yeah. Um, one last question about Roman love. I, so I was wondering, do you connect with Peter's struggles to write his novel? Uh, and so just in writing, I was just wondering if that was, I do. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely connect with um, the character struggles of having the cat walking across the keyboard when you're trying to write. Uh. <laughs> 
the for you it's a cat I, for me it's a it's an 18 month old <laughs> yeah that sounds about right see yeah. but at least yours will grow out of it <laughs> i hope so i hope so <laughs> fred's gonna do this for the rest of his life oh, the, um fred, that's a great you know name. it's such i the thing that i connect to is um that everything changes for Philip as a writer um, after getting out of his apartment and going out and living. Um, And he is inspired to write by this really, really great day that he has with Amelia. Um, And that's always my cure for writer's block um, is stop trying, go live. And something will inspire you and send you racing back to write it down. Um, and, but the best cure for writer's block is stop trying to write, go do literally anything else. And, and then you'll find your inspiration and you'll find the thing you want to communicate. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. You're very welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, so let's talk about Gift to Remember, uh, Cherished Memories, Gift to Remember too. Uh, So last time we spoke, you were just writing it for fun. Uh, (laughs) and feel free to tell us about any others that you're writing for fun at the moment (laughs) oh i am writing some stuff for fun right now yes (laughs) all right uh but we both agree cammy and i that you broke the sequel curse uh that hallmark can have and you made a good one we both like topher this was in my top three I Thank I you. absolutely adored this one. And I'm one of those people that I actually like sequels because I get so tired of the two people getting together at the end of the movie. I want to see them as a couple. That's one of the reasons I like to return to me so much because we got yep, to yep, see yep. Yeah, <laughs> we got to see them in a comfortable relationship and then the drama broke but and i just i love seeing i love seeing what happened after the first kiss i love seeing what happened when they are in a comfortable relationship but i also will agree that sometimes sequels can totally crash and burn and yeah this was in my top three i absolutely adored this one i know i'm jumping the gun a little bit here but i'm gonna say it anyway that proposal it, it I, mm, I, 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 I mean the only thing that would have made it more perfect was if he had gone down on one knee but for some reason i really didn't care <laughs> you know well it's snowy streets he can't go messing up his pants <laughs> he'll uh, he'll slip and hit his head again <laughs> exactly i i can't tell you how much i appreciate that because i am um, I am very proud of how that story turned out. Um, oh my gosh. And, um, <laughs> so amazing. And all due credit to Melissa Hill, who was the author of the original novel. And when we started um, talking about the possibility of doing a follow-up, I went back to Melissa um, and because these were her characters, you know, she, so she introduced them not, into the world. She did not write it then. She she didn't write Correct. a sequel. Okay. Because okay. there is no sequel to the book. Okay. And um and when we were in conversation about it and Melissa was already off on many, many other projects and she's doing exceptionally well, uh, both as a novelist and now moving into television. Good. Um and her blessing of the book is mine. The movie is yours. Take it. Um, and from one writer to another, for her to give the gift of her confidence that I would take care of her characters um, was that says a I, lot. I, can't, I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Sure. Um, because I don't know how what my path forward would have been. Um, had she not, you know, had she had any degree of 
totally justifiable hesitation on someone taking up the continuing lives of characters she created. Um, but I had her trust and I had her confidence and I really, really love the character of Darcy a lot um, mm-hmm. and and love what Allie Liebert does with that character. But in the first film, you know, Aiden doesn't get his memories back until, you know, the final 15 minutes. And right. so we never got to see what they're like when um, when we when we're not compromised by his brain injury. (laughs) (laughs) I was just, I was so excited to be able to find out how they relate to each other. And Peter and Allie have such easy chemistry together. And this time around, I knew I was writing for their voices. And I knew that I was writing for Tina Lifford as Mrs. Henley. Um, And so it felt like I was just getting back together with old friends. And it was a joyous process writing that. It was absolutely delightful. Um, I don't know that I've ever had so much fun writing a script. Oh, that's so cool. You could tell. It just had a really good spirit about it. But I was wondering, Mm -hmm. since we're talking about the proposal up front, um, did you, you have been, I think, fairly recently married. I was wondering if your own experience you drew from any uh, (laughs) that <laughs> was there um, a was there a model of a home involved? <laughs> no, but there was months of planning and a lot of crafting. Um, my husband um, loves horror movies, particularly horror movies from the seventies and eighties. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so I planned my proposal. Um, I claimed I was in Los Angeles while I was camping out at a friend's house. And then he went to celebrate a friend's birthday at an escape room. And then once he was in the escape room with um, seven of our friends, all of the clues in the the escape room, um, and it was all horror movie themed, so he was super excited about it. Um, And then all of the clues turned out to be his favorite movies. And oh my gosh. and and he still wasn't catching on. He still wasn't catching on. He just thought he was really lucky and he had really good taste. And um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh boy. And and so all of the props and everything were designed to make him believe that this is just coincidentally an escape room um, that he happens to have the exact knowledge base a person would need. And then it eventually built up and built up and built up um, to the proposal and then door flies open and it's me, but first he had to solve the riddle. And um, so the thing that that shares with gift to remember too, is just going insanely out of your way for a proposal. (laughs) But, But the thing that I wanted in my proposal that I definitely shared with the character of Aiden um, is I wanted the proposal to be a celebration of the person that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, Because ultimately in that moment where you are pitching a life together, um, it's the cumulative effect of everything that you have learned about this person um, and everything that you want to celebrate. And you want them to feel seen and acknowledged and embraced. Um, because when you're making that pitch, ultimately that's what you're saying is I see you, I acknowledge you for everything you are, and I never want you to go away. Oh, that's so great. I love it. Uh, well, I think you did a good job then. And one of the things I liked in particular about A Gift to Remember too was I think almost more than any other ca- uh, Countdown to Christmas movie, it really got to the heart of of Christmas and why gift giving in particular is important uh, and to the core of, of kind of thinking about the other person and how you can express your love for them and how you can uh, that, that, that 
because you know we hear a lot of times oh the kind of commercialization of christmas and whatever and, and sometimes there's platitudes about that but i i just thought it really got to the core of what makes christmas special as far as thinking about another person and expressing it was uh, the ultimate for thoughtful them. gift yeah yeah <laughs> which i liked and how did you get this whole idea for the christmas village uh, in the movie because because y'all i'm a hallmark writer and all i do is sit around thinking about christmas (laughs) (laughs) what were we thinking sorry (laughs) we um i wish i could trace back when i finally landed on the christmas village i knew coming into it because so much of the first film was, you know, retracing the steps of Aiden's personal history to discover who he is, that I wanted the sequel to kind of be a call and response on that um, to acknowledge Darcy's history. And we knew from the first film um, that she had lost her parents. I know, which is so remarkable in a Hallmark movie. Um, (laughs) But... But the... (laughs) <laughs> but the the difference in this one, by having the sequel and having the approach to the storytelling being learning to embrace and find comfort in your personal history, even the painful pieces, because they made you who you are. And so something that was presented as a character detail in the first one becomes a very significant piece of the plot in the second one. And I don't see um, or haven't seen a lot of opportunities um, in Hallmark films to explore what the emotional fallout is mm-hmm. of the loss of a parent or in Darcy's case, the loss of both parents. Sure. And um, and she's so relentlessly optimistic and positive. Um, and I don't feel that that lived experience is at odds with that detail of who she is. Um, and I wanted to be able to present that piece of the character and explore it a little more. Um, the scene between her and Mrs. Henley, when Mrs. Henley talks about her first Christmas after losing her husband. Yes. Um, and how do we honor um, the people who defined who we are and are no longer with us? And mm-hmm. and in Mrs. Henley's case and in Darcy's case, it was doing all you can to continue to bring joy into the world. And they just find other ways and other people to put that joy on. The whole, exactly. I mean, Darcy trying so hard to, because we obviously know that the core of the story and what is driving the plot line is Aiden's gift for Darcy. But to see Darcy giving it right back, going through all that effort to do the bread in the coffee cans. Coffee cans. Or it, that, I, and just how much it meant to her to get it right. I'm, I'm clenching my yeah. fists right now. <laughs> I, I'm Italian. I put emphasis on my words. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, uh, and just when she handed the basket to him, the expression on both of their faces, I, I, I oh my gosh, I'm yeah, I, I, I blubbered just a little. You know? <laughs> well, and that was that was how my mother's mother um, made pumpkin bread every year. Is that year. right? And and um, and so I remember me mama with you know because she had six kids and twenty something grandkids and um, and her way of being able to make sure everybody got something um, was she would do them a loaf of pumpkin bread. And so wow. the smell of pumpkin bread, the sec- I mean, that's, that's my grandmother. Uh-huh. Um, and, and for my mother, um, it's even more so 
you know, and sure. because that was her entire life. And it was, um, you know, my mother's the daughter of an itinerant farmer. They moved around a lot and were constantly reintroducing themselves to communities. And my grandmother would spend all year collecting coffee cans so that at Christmas, everybody got a loaf of pumpkin bread. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And see, that's just you pouring your soul into your writing, which just makes it all the better. That, that, yeah, that, that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So speaking of your writing, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit here and I guess move on to another subject. But one thing that <laughs> when I was watching it for the first time, I, I almost jumped up and cheered when this happened in the film when he is when when Darcy is outside the door knocking and and (laughs) then he says it's Darcy cover it up I can't the paint's still wet and so he comes out the door hey sweetheart you know and just but the but the big thing so number one I'm laughing I'm laughing hysterically right there and but the big thing that I loved is that he told her that it was for her Christmas present. So, <laughs> Instead oh of setting up a false conflict. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many times you see somebody seeing something that is completely misread because they're doing something for the other person, but they weren't smart enough to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the late, great Roger Ebert yes. called that an idiot plot (laughs) and an idiot plot is when the entire plot of the movie hinges on two people not having a conversation that they would have to be idiots not to have (laughs) and that's really that's great yeah (laughs) i mean like so we have an idiot plot because these two idiots didn't have the very simple conversation that anyone would have. <laughs> and, and, um, and so that always stays with me in writing where it's like, okay, but realistically, wouldn't you just ask? And, or wouldn't you just tell this person this thing? Um, and you can still, and you can still have a totally satisfying story without having to rely on an idiot plot to get you there. Well, and you still had fun with it because uh, be, because Darcy says to Aiden, so Marcus told me, oh, yeah, my sister tried that on me. Never worked yeah. with her either. Yeah, I mean, so you still had fun with it. You still had fun with it. But she knew that, yes, he was acting fishy, but it was for her Christmas surprise. So there's no reason to get horribly jealous. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. He doesn't have a girl in there. You're not right. going to break. it's the week before christmas and he won't let you in the house what do you think it (laughs) let's let's think about this logically please (laughs) well while we're on that scene so i have to say i am very big with pet names i love pet names and my husband doesn't use them very often and so one time he said I love you, honey. What'd you call me? (laughs) 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 So I said, you you just called me, honey. Yeah. So so I was watching the movie and I was like, they've been in a relationship for an entire year now. Where are the pet names? (laughs) So so when he, so when he (laughs) comes out his door, when Aiden comes out his door and says, hi, sweetheart. I said, Oh, there it is. So I got I got to know. I got to know, Topher, were those planned? Were they scripted or were they ad-libbed? No, they are scripted. They are. Oh, scripted. okay. They're scripted. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, and thanks to um, Mrs. Henley owning an apartment building, I managed 
to get all of the benefits of the two of them cohabitating without them actually cohabitating. That was very smart of you. <laughs> I, just, I actually, I think that's, I think that's sweet them living in the, I'm a, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. And so I mm-hmm. think that it was very sweet that they were just living one floor away from each other and he can go down and see her anytime he wants to or up is he was he down or was he up i can't remember he was downstairs she was up he was down he was down so yeah when when he just goes when he just goes up one flight and says pizza and a whole lot of christmas it was precious it was precious and then they both have access to the rooftop deck they can enjoy the Mm. amenities of the building together it was very smart it was very smart the rooftop scene oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh gosh. but but topher i have to ask you so do you have a love for information management or did you just how did you end up working that into the into the This is quite the the, reading. Everybody's pretty excited about this book about information. While we're on the scripting idea, you know, while we're on while we're on writing the script. (laughs) What I needed for Pat Young's book was a book that is not bad that no one would want to read. (laughs) And (laughs) well, that's one way to put it. I'm like, a book that is clearly not going to be the runaway bestseller in anybody's bookstore, um, but is his passion project. And and I'm like, okay, so he's going to nerd out on something, um, and it has to be something that I don't have to pay for the rights for. <laughs> so it can't be like obscure Marvel characters. And, and there would still be an audience for that. But I'm like... Pat Young's passion project of um, wanting to convey um, the exciting, complex history of the birth of the internet. I believe that as his passion project. Um, I believe that that could be a well-written book, and I believe that it would be impossible to sell more than two copies. Of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Did the and did the did the birth of the internet actually happen at Christmas time, or was that just all of artistic? that is true? Really, all of that is true. Because I found, I mean, you talk about how you want to, as a screenwriter, you want to teach people something. And I learned something right there. And I immediately started wondering, is that what really happened? Is you know, and all of these questions started, all of these questions started forming in my mind. Oh my gosh, Um, that is so cool. I know, right? It was a See, gift. Now you want to read past book. No, 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 no. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Plus it allowed me to make a good Al Gore joke on the podcast. So thank you. Oh my word. <laughs> and she did. I did. She did. <laughs> yes. And so the surprise, all right. So the two things about Christmas Eve at Chaucer's with Pat Young's book, he tells you his entire family is there. And so when he sold every copy. We know who he sold them to. That's thing it was one. To all the and thing members. two, <laughs> right? And thing two is, I um, I think people in Chaucer's that evening were pleasantly surprised to discover that the history of information management has a nice little Christmas story in it. <laughs> yeah, um, and so I think Pat does a pretty good sales job on his book at his reading. <laughs> yeah. No, it it was a perfect choice because it is true that when uh the you when you talk to people that are usually just kind of uh forgotten first of all a lot of times those are the best interviews of all uh but uh mm-hmm. but there's just this feeling of like somebody cares about me and what i'm doing this is so exciting <laughs> yeah it's the best <laughs> and a lot of people why. think that it's the uh like the famous people oh that's the ones that are exciting but not for me that gets old really quick uh and but for me it's like when i get an interview like a camera operator or somebody like that that they're like wow you want to hear my story this is so exciting i love it (laughs) and that's why his uncle has that moment of he knows that 
um, you know, that nobody's going to buy that boring freaking book. And so to see it as the staff pick on the table with yeah. authors gives him a different perspective on what, um, on what being part of a community actually means, you know? And yet she did it without even knowing that he yep. was his nephew. And I loved, I loved the arc between the two of them, you go from her trying really hard to humor him and just kind of smiling through clenched teeth, uh-huh, 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 mm-hmm. and to, to the very end when she is saying how wonderful it is to have him there and just the look on Pat's face, you want me here. I'm your headliner. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, the beautiful thing about Darcy with Darcy and Aiden trying to come up with all of their maneuvers to save Liberty Rex Center. Um, and so, you know, we're going to go and cajole him. We're going to give him a frame certificate and make him the star of the Christmas party. And how about that Christmas party, by the way? Um, <laughs> and, Amazing. You know, we're going to have it turned into a historical site. They're doing all of these things to try and maneuver for it. And the thing that actually saves Liberty Rex is an act of kindness that Darcy simply does because of who she is. That's right. the thing that saves it. Right. And then, of course, you have her saying that she had to sign those papers and Aiden's eyes bug out. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, other than the proposal, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> Peter Peter Porte did that reaction flawlessly. It was. <laughs> I love giving him moments of comedic desperation. Peter Porte <laughs> yes! and his handsome mug looking like a cartoon <laughs> prince. When you get him <laughs> in moments of comic desperation, he can shine like a diamond. <laughs> and, and the eyes bugging out it. was the best. Yeah. The, I mean, it was better It was better than the slashing of the throat, the, just the eyes bugging. It went, Whoa, baby, I didn't know his eyes could th- get that big. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did a great job this last year, and we are very excited for whatever stuff you're writing for fun right now. <laughs> I am writing a couple share? of things for fun. Yes. Yeah. I um, uh, So just for fun, um, I'm working on a uh, royal romance that I'm actually really excited about. And um, it's a... Um, I think I've found a fun twist with it that I'm really, really enjoying a lot. And huh. my first movie for my first movie for Hallmark was a royal romance, my summer, summer prince. Summer prince, right? And, and I haven't had the chance to revisit it since then. And I think I've gotten to know the audience a lot better since then, and um, have gotten. Um, stronger as a screenwriter since then. And so being able to come back to that particular um, genre um, and doing, you know, literally a fairy tale um, is a ton of fun. And I'm very, very excited about that. So I'm working on that. And then, you know, just, just for my own enjoyment, asking myself if there was another chapter in the lives of Darcy and Aiden, um, <gasps> what would that look like? Yeah. Are you and, serious? <gasps> and, I mean, you know, just for fun, just oh, for right. myself. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. And, but, you know, Rachel, you gave me so much good advice on yes. how to avoid the pitfalls on a sequel. So oh. what do I need to know about a wedding trilogy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, that all yeah. depends. Are you doing the wedding at Christmas or not? <laughs> um, um, let's say it's not. Let's say that, it's I, not. I tell okay. you, I tell you the movie that you should look at for a good wedding sequel movie is the perfect bride sequel because i didn't love the first one because i did not like the bridezilla in that one she drove me crazy no i hated her uh, but (laughs) i thought the sequel was great because the conflict was like just perfect i i thought they like the year there was never a doubt that they were gonna get married uh they they 
I don't know. It would just, just avoid, please avoid the bridezilla. Please. I hate it. It's the worst. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our Darcy could not turn into a bridezilla. <laughs> she doesn't no. have it in her. Heck no. <laughs> Although she probably would fall asleep in her comfy chair on her wedding day. <laughs> I guess so. the thing I hate about the brides, I get it. The weddings are stressful. I understand that, mm-hmm. but they have to, I guess what, maybe it's because I'm almost 40 and single. Uh, and I just feel like you are so blessed. You are so lucky that you found somebody that wants to marry mm-hmm. you. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the complaining. I don't want to hear just because you might not have the perfect flowers or the perfect whatever, or your dress isn't perfect. I don't want to hear it. Uh, and so I, I just, I can't, I hate it. I hate it in stories. And hey, I well, agree and with I you. And I've been married up, almost 12 yeah. years. So <laughs> I agree with you. I, uh, I constantly uh, told my husband when we were engaged and my mom, I said, do not let me turn into a bridezilla under any circumstances. Yeah. You stop me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, that's what I liked about the Perfect Bride sequel is that I felt like all the conflict was just kind of life and, uh, and yeah. her, you know, meeting this ex and, but like, like not in a romantic sense, but just like all of a sudden she has to work with him and how's that going to work and and that conflict there and I don't and know. Kevin's Kevin's character never mm-hmm. went off in a jealous rage because he saw the two of them together. Yeah. yeah. So go go and watch Perfect Bride Two, Topher. That'll yeah. that's a really great I way to absolutely put it. will. You know, one of the things that I keep thinking about as I'm, you know, doing this for my own enjoyment is because, you know, I still make it a big point of pride that at the end of my first movie, the guy moves to the girl's town. Um, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. And then we see their happy, um, you know, functional life in Philadelphia in the second film. And we've never really gotten to see the life that Aiden left behind in Ohio. Um, and that would be fun. And, and when you're actually considering, you know, spending the rest of your life with someone and we know she said, yes, that's where we left things. That's where we Um, left it. (laughs) And, but she really only knows the version of Aiden that she has known in Philadelphia. And he had a whole other life before he moved there. And so if you go with the idea that they spent, they spent their first Christmas together in Philadelphia, and then in the second um, film, the idea is that they would be going to Ohio for Christmas after Christmas Eve at Chaucer's. So they go home to Ohio for Christmas, and she shows off the engagement ring. But when you go to visit someone's family, you're just seeing their family. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I kept thinking what that wedding shower in Ohio is like when suddenly she meets the full breadth of his prior existence. Oh um, yeah. You know, one, and, of my, one of my favorite Hallmark wedding movies, it's not a sequel, but I loved the Christmas movie from uh, 2018 called Christmas Bells Are Ringing. And it, it, it you had Amelia Ullerup's character coming in and I thought for sure, oh, she's going to be really jealous of the stepmom that's marrying her dad. And, uh, and instead she was so loving and so kind and so supportive and the whole thing. And welcoming. Yeah. And she ends up giving her this necklace that, uh, or bracelet. I can't remember that had, it was a bracelet. I I just watched it a couple of weeks ago. It was a bracelet. I just thought that movie was just pitch perfect perfect as far as just what i mean 99% of weddings are about family and love and yes i know they're stressful but i know i just thought that movie got the tone perfect and i yeah. was just so happy for everybody involved and uh and it's not like it was free from conflict they had conflict but it just felt more grounded and not like uh, how dare i not have the uh the pedophores I wanted or you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. deal with that it, yeah. it's it's just the worst <laughs> <laughs> so that's so, my advice for you 
So, because we have so does, much room yeah. to give you advice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's I mean, I'm still it, trying to write you know? my first novel, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if, um, you know, again, you know, of course, just writing it for fun, but it's my first opportunity to write a wedding story. Yeah. And, you know, and I did just get married um, in 2018. And so all of that is very fresh on the mind. And moreover, um, I have been the officiant at six different weddings. Holy um, moly. And, and we learned so much from that process. Um, and Daniel and I, in the process of planning our wedding with lessons learned from the couples that I've been able to be on the inside of their planning, we just kept asking, wait, are we doing this for us or doing this for them? Yeah. Is that um, how you got, yeah. is that how you got that incredibly profound advice that the older couple gives Aiden and Darcy, the whole, uh, give your best to your spouse every once in a while. Don't just, you know, don't don't just vent to them, and it takes a lifetime to learn how to love someone the right way. Is that where you got that? Because those two pieces have stayed with me. I wrote them. My niece just got married um, on the third, and I in the guest book I wrote that. I said, just remember, it takes a lifetime to to figure out how to love someone. <laughs> I got that from that movie. <laughs> Whenever and however you can save the best of yourselves for each other um, is the uh, advice that I have given at every wedding I've ever officiated. And then well, good for you. Cause that's great advice. <laughs> and um, because it's so easy to take what's directly in front of you for granted. Um, yeah, it is. It is. And so I'm excited about having um, having the chance to just explore, okay, well, what would I want to say to a few million people if we're talking about weddings? Um, and, and I love so much that you, that the scene at the Christmas party stood out for you because oh gosh, yes. every time, um, every time we write these, there are precious scenes that end up getting cut. And I always have to make my peace with that. And it's going to be some beautiful grace note scene that isn't really advancing the plot forward um and the conversation with the couples at the table was on the chopping block at one point and i lost my mind <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh i am so glad it didn't get cut i don't oh my gosh that was i mean it wasn't my favorite part of the movie but it was the most profound yeah it was it was so essential because I needed a moment for a couple that is thinking about marriage to have a conversation that includes the concept of what that really means. With someone um, who's and, been there for so much longer. Exactly. Yes. And oh, gosh. So that you don't have a proposal that's just coming out of nowhere we are there has been the topic of spending a life together is something that carries through you know it's the moment it's the conversations you have that lead up to a proposal in my experience you know mm -hmm. and um and i wanted the characters to have that and um and so through some very judicious and careful cutting they were able to make time for it and i was so relieved <laughs> Was one of the scenes that got cut him opening the present from her? Because I wonder, I wondered what his reaction to it was, but I figured it had to be cut because of time. It was um, that because the assumption would be that she was planning on giving him his gift on Christmas morning. Right. Um, and um, but I, I have to give a shout out to the estate of Patricia Highsmith for giving us permission to use the title of the book and the cover of the book in our Hallmark movie. It was yeah. the first such request the estate of Patricia Highsmith has ever received. <laughs> and she is best known as the author of The Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I guess they don't they don't get a lot of uh, requests from uh, people that want to give them a shout out in a family Christmas movie but I think Aiden has very good taste apparently <laughs> <laughs> well you're the best we had such a great time talking with you again a second time we'll definitely have a third time and, heck yeah we will yes <laughs> when the wedding comes out I mean oh, I mean uh, hmm, the, 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 you're riding for fun <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so how can people uh, follow you on social media, all that fun stuff? Um, so I'm on the Twitter on Topher Payne. That's T-O-P-H-E-R-P-A-Y-N-E. Um, I'm on Facebook with Hey Topher. And um, you can go to my website, topherpain.com, which lets you know all the stuff that I have written or I'm currently writing for fun. Great. We'll have all, all that in the description section. And uh, this has been really fun. <laughs> I really, I feel like we could just keep talking for like two, two hours more. <laughs> I, I do so have to go get my girls from school though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's been really fun. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we will, we will catch up again soon. Thank you to both of you. Okay. And thank you to all your listeners. All right. It was wonderful to meet you, Topher. (laughs) Nice Uh, to meet you, too. Talk to you soon. Bye. So, Cammie, how can people find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Cammie Drama Girl, Cammie spelled K-A-M-I. And on Facebook, the uh, you can find me on my Hooked Hardy Facebook page. And my blog is hookedhardy.com. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and uh, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So make sure to check that out. And you can follow the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast all over social media. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. It really helps us out. And if you're listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We sure appreciate what you do. We have our patron group, which we have giveaways and other fun opportunities. And we also have our merch store with designs from Jessica Miller uh, that are really fun. We also got some new postable designs up this week. So check that out. Uh, We have the link in the description. So thanks again to Topher and thanks Cammy. And we will, we'll talk all again soon. Bye everybody. Bye everybody.